During um, the time of COVID, I was talking to one of my friends and he, we were talking about the weather report seemed to be much less accurate. And I was mentioning that and he goes, oh, I know why. I, I, I heard this. So because of um, a lot of the, the computer models that are used for predicting the weather, you know, use a lot of data from all sorts of surfaces or places, even like personal weather stations that someone may have in their yard. You know, they can upload that to the, the National Weather Service computer system. And, but one of the places that they got a lot of data um, was from airliners, from jet airliners have data recorders on them, and they got all this data for the computer modeling from that. But since so many airlines weren't running as much or at all, then they had a lot of less data. And so the weather predictions were a lot more off than usual during that time period, which I thought was interesting. Cause, and I thought of that um, today because I was looking at the weather for working on a car yesterday, and I saw Friday looking that, oh, it's not going to rain on Saturday. So. That wasn't accurate, and I have a car in back up on jacks that I had to quit because of the rain that was, that was coming. Um, but looking at signs, um, I think we really should be not just looking at the weather for, for signs and understanding of things, but it's important that we look to all sorts of signs around us so that we can do things the way that God calls us to do that. And it's signs within our own life, and within our own being and, and look for warning signs and different kinds of signs, but also looking at signs around us and the, the, the culture we live in, the world that we live in. I think we just need to be walking with our eyes wide open and just listening for God's voice and watching where, where God is leading us to go and listening to the Spirit to respond to all the, the yuck that is all around us so that we can be you know, part of God's plan and who he's calling us to be within the brokenness of this world. So as we look in, we're in Matthew 16 this morning, and we're looking at uh, signs here, and it's really interesting um, as we begin, the very beginning of this chapter begins like a lot like the last chapter in chapter 15, and also something that was back in chapter 12, and that is religious leaders coming to Jesus and asking for a sign, like prove to us. And what the, some of the irony is, by this time in his ministry, it's maybe two years into his ministry, and he has done, okay, he's fed the 4,000, he's fed the 5,000, he's healed the blind, he's calmed the storm, he's walked on the water, he's done all these things that if someone is paying attention, you're going to see signs. But here at the start of 16, um, has a group coming and they're asking for a sign from heaven. I just want to read that one verse starting out. The Pharisees and the Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. Now, as we look at this verse, there's something, though, that's different in this that wasn't in the others. And you may not, you know, in our culture, we don't know this much. But during that time period, this is very significant. This would be like saying... The Democrats and the Republicans came together to go do something together. Okay, this is, this is huge. The Pharisees and the Sadducees did not like each other. You know, this would be like the Ukrainians and the Russians went together to go do something, or, or the Hatfields and the McCoys came together to go do something. Because part of this is they, what brings enemies together very often is a third enemy. 
And so this is what they have, is they are actually coming together and they are here very clearly to test Jesus, to ask him questions, to trip him up, because he has been stepping on their toes for very different reasons. Pharisees are known for being legalist. They are, tend to be on the conservative side looking at the law, and they become very legalistic in that. And then the Sadducees are tied in with the Romans more, and they, um, um, you know, they don't believe in the resurrection. And so the Pharisees and the Sadducees worked together, you know, in different ways in Sanhedrin. They had to live together in other ways, but they did not like each other and saw the world very differently and how you need to respond to things were very differently, except when it comes to Jesus. They did not like him. They wanted to trip him up. He was messing up their way of life and their way of understanding the world, and they were done with him. So Jesus here in verse 2 then replies not in a way to respond. See, Jesus isn't one to do parlor tricks for someone just because they're asking, and he's already been doing miracle after miracle with things. And so he responds, he replied, when evening comes, you say, it'll be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, today it'll be stormy, for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus then left them and went away. So, to me it's very intriguing, you know, and it's clear. They, they don't care about a sign. He's been doing signs left and right. But with an understanding of a sign, I appreciate something that said um, in Luke chapter 2, toward the end of the chapter, um, remember when um, Mary and Joseph are taking baby Jesus to the temple for the, for the dedication there, and then um, Simeon is there in verse 34 of Luke 2. He blessed them, and he said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. So here, Simeon is saying Jesus is the sign. I mean, Jesus is, he, didn't, he need, doesn't need to do the signs. Jesus is the sign. And I think so often God is right in front of us and we miss it in so many different ways. You know, it can be even little ways of like, I so appreciate if I'm at um, the state hospital and looking at the Overlook or at Hanover College and you look out over the incredible um, spot of creation that we're blessed to be in right now and you see the the majesty of the river and the curve of how the river hugs Trimble County and Jefferson County through here and it's just beautiful and it and if we're not careful we can miss God in seeing that or maybe we're dealing with medical issues and then as we're discussing with all the medical personnel it's easy to forget God in the picture and the miraculous that God is doing for us in, in random and powerful directed ways. But here Jesus says the only sign you're going to get is the sign of Jonah. And as I, I was reading different commentaries and thoughts on what, what, what's the sign of Jonah? What does that mean? And things within Jonah, you've got one, you've got a people who are not part of the 
the family of God who repent and, and um, because of being saying, you know, bad things or a calamity is coming, you need to repent, and they do. And with Jesus, we certainly have the opportunity for not only the Jews but the Gentiles to come and worship him. But here in, in, in Jonah 2, there's an example of where is, even with a, a cursory reading, you see something very powerful. Jonah was in the belly of this fish for three days. And I want to just read, and it's not on the whole PowerPoint, I'll just read um, this, this prayer that Jonah prays. The beginning of it is, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. And I even read some commentators are saying, you know, the, the word here is Sheol, that, that Jonah is crying out from the place of the dead. So it could be metaphor that he was feeling like he was death over here. And some even say and ask the question, did he die? And, Jesus, or, and then God brought him back? Was it a metaphor or is it literal in what he was saying as he cries out from Sheol? But here you have Jonah who is in the belly for three days and then as the fish comes to the beach and, and spits him out, he comes to share who God is to the people. So as Jesus is sharing with them no sign will be given except the sign of Jonah. And he left and walked away. For us, as we look at signs, it's really important that we walk through life open, open to understand ourselves and that we may be missing things from God that we need to connect to. God speaks to us in ways of saying, Randy, there's sin there. You need to look at that. You need to take care of that. You need to work with me. You need to hand that over to me. God does things around me that sometimes I don't notice that God calls my attention to later. I remember, and I, some of you have heard this, others haven't. I don't think I mentioned it for a couple of years, so I can say it again, and you probably forgot it anyway. I don't know. But I was, I was praying for a sign a great deal um, at one point in my life, and it was a, a scary time. Um, I had just graduated high school, and I was made that transition to college, and my parents had just dumped me off at school um, the weekend before my classes start on Monday. It's different now. I know college to just do like a week-long orientation, and you go, and they do things to help the students to be successful. Um, when I started... Um, your parents dumped you off and you found your classes and then you went to your classes. There was not an, an orientation that I recall at all. So it was, it's like that. My parents dumped me off on a Saturday. My classes start on a Monday. And I remember I get my room together, put my books away, and I'm sitting there on my bunk. And I'm like, okay, God, um, what's next? I'm a little scared here, but, uh, but we, we can do this. And then I'm praying. And one of the things I'm, I'm really wanting and I'm aware of because I just came from church camp. So I came out of church camp, and I'm, I'm like, I'm going to maintain this, 
this thing I've got going with God now. I'm going to stay on target with things and, and do my devotions and pray, and I, I'm going to do this right. But one thing I really know that I want and need is a Christian friend. And one of the boys I met at church camp at Indian Creek, um, we were talking, and he was going to go to Purdue, and I was excited. I'll, I'll look him up. And we have a, um, at the time they would print out a, a, like a phone directory with names and addresses and phone numbers. And I'm like, I'll call him. And I'm like, Mark, Mark, I don't remember his last name. And so, oh, this is terrible. So, and then all of a sudden I get this, this little nudge from God that says, Randy, go and look up all your classes so you don't get lost on Monday. And when you do that, you'll run into him and then you can start from there and I'm like wow I don't get many nudges from God but this is cool so I go and actually I'm on my walk and before I even get to my first class I run into Mark and he's with a couple guys and we're high and he's very nice and I talk about hey do you want to do anything tonight um, and he's like I'm sorry but I've just joined this Christian um, co-op house that Purdue had at the time um, and we have like social events every night so I really don't basically in a really nice way he said I don't have time to be your friend my friends are already scripted out for me in my house and I, I just don't have time to be your friend but he said in a really nice way and I'm like and then he runs off with his friends and I sit there by the fountain in front of Hubby and I'm sitting there and I'm like thanks God and then I really clearly get this little voice from God that says, I'm your friend. I'm with you. And that will always be true. And that has carried me as a sign, not only through college, but for the rest of my life. I've remembered that feeling and understanding that and understanding that God is with me. And that was a wonderful sign that I always hang on to. And my, my friends... Guess how many times I ran into him over the next five years that I was at Purdue? Guess. No. He guesses 12. Never. I never saw his face again. Never saw him. Ever. It's a big campus, but just pointing out that is... And I went to you know, a lot of Christian things and events and social things, and I never saw him again. So for me, that was a sign that was and is precious to me today. So as Jesus continues on with his disciples, he's still, you know, he's been with them probably a couple years, and he's nurturing them and training them, and says the next verse in 5, and then they went across the lake, and the disciples forgot to take bread. And Jesus is hearing them talk about this. Meanwhile, they just did another mass feeding. Um, Jesus says, be careful to them, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They discussed this among themselves and said, he's told this because we didn't bring any bread along. You know, we, we, we laugh at this, I, I laugh, but I so appreciate in the scriptures and the gospels pointing out, um, as, as I see myself in the story, I see myself as just as dumb as the disciples. You know, I forget stuff. I do things that's wrong. I'm on a, off in a different wavelength than what God is, and God has to really 
do a lot to, to help me understand and bring me back to the direction that I need to be going. And so here the disciples are only thinking with their stomach, and they're talking about um, food, and, and this, there's, there's not enough for them to, to share with each other. And Jesus is listening to this discussion. And he's aware of the discussion. Jesus said, you of little faith, why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? Are the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? How is it that you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread? Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then they understood that he was not talking to them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It is so easy to get off track from God. It is so easy to get on different wavelengths and, and to be caught up with what we're involved in and connected to, things at work or at school or things that we're watching, you know, on TV or in the news. Or just, and it's so easy to get off that same track that God's on. And here's a reminder that we really need to, to work to understand and stay on track with who God's calling us to be in on God's wavelength. And it takes an understanding that we need to always be in a discipling uh, understanding of life, that we need to be growing and learning and doing and always making ourselves available to God teaching us because we need him and we need a change in life. We need to guard against the yeast of we don't have Pharisees and Sadducees, but we need to be on guard understanding any teaching we have. You need to guard yourself against the yeast of Randy Crutchfield, okay? Because I'm just a normal person up here, and I'm sharing what I understand from God's Word, but you need to be an understanding and comparing what I'm saying to God's Word and understand that, that I'm, I'm human too and I can make mistakes. So always we need to be aware and just aware of what we're hearing, no matter what the source is, and understand when we're learning from human sources as well, that we always need to be aware and comparing to what we know from God's word to what we hear with our ears from other folk. So as we're walking our way through life and on this journey and things get disruptive and things don't, aren't going right the way, way we want, consider looking at that as signs in your life and signs that you need to pay attention to. I know in my own life, when, um, you know, I don't love anyone in this world more than I do my wonderful wife, but who am I least patient with in the world? My wife. And how often is it that things and, and people that we're closest to, some of the worst stuff comes out? And I think that for all of us, just to be aware and see these signs around us and in us of how much we need a Savior and how much we need to be listening to and listening to who God is calling us to be, whether it's patience with a spouse being a sign or maybe for us it is um, a sin that when no one else is around, there's a sin in our life, and we know that it's there. And maybe that's a sign from God that you need a Savior, that you need to turn that over. You need to work with God to, to get rid of that.
So for all of us, what are the signs that you're paying attention to as you walk? Is it worldly stuff or is it godly stuff? Are you really paying attention that you can be wrong here and an attitude can be wrong, a thought can be wrong, a, a doctrine could be wrong, and are you allowing yourself to be open to be transformed by who God is calling you to be and who His Word is calling you to be? And are you open to these signs and, and reading those signs? And are you available to change? Is your heart soft like putty so that when God speaks to you through the Holy Spirit speaking to you that you're, you're letting God change your heart to look more like Him and who He's calling you to be? Are you set? in your ways and you're set and you're good and you're set so that you know that you know you'll wind up in heaven eventually and you're, you're good well no one's good but but Jesus and so he's always calling us to be like him and to have his heart and compassion and discipline and spirit of truth so this morning listen to the Spirit, listen to the signs around and within, and then respond with the truth of Jesus. Respond to the signs in the way that He's calling you to respond. Heavenly Father, as we understand that, we ask, how, how am I reading your signs? God, help us to be reading to be listening, to be understanding who you call us to be. And may we follow. In your precious name we pray. Amen.